Well, thanks for tuning in to the Troncast again. It's uh, my privilege and pleasure to talk to new friends and old friends. And today I'm talking to Bill Protzman. And Bill has a wonderful approach to music that we're going to talk about. Uh, some of you who know me pretty well know I, I am sometimes a music geek and a musician wannabe. So I love talking about music stuff. So Bill, t tell me about your approach with with music and, and how it's helping people in their lives. Well, sure. I'm, I, I just feel so fortunate to be able to do this work. I grew up playing the piano, and when you play the piano, you, you spend a lot of time sitting there watching what's going on in the audience. <laughs> I mean, for a long time, I got to play at Nordstrom, and that was a fun kind of gig because I could practice and watch people. And, oh, how fun. Yeah, yeah. So they don't have pianos in Nordstrom's anymore. But one of the things that you learn really fast is how people respond to music. And even if it's background music, there's something going on. So you can sit in a concert hall and look out at the audience and watch them either doing everything from falling asleep to being completely engaged. It's, it's really kind of amazing and sometimes funny to watch what's happening out there. But, I bet. you know, people respond to music. So um, I got curious about why that was happening quite a while ago. And science is sort of catching up with us now, and the research is starting to explain it a little bit better. But in my own life and through the lives of the people that I've observed, uh, music is a really balancing force. It can take a lot of the distressing things that we experience in life and smooth them out by releasing the, the intensity of the charge that's behind them. Uh -huh. um, and it can take you from a place where you might have a sort of a, a lower slow effect up to a more active effect. So it help you engage more. It's just a great tool for all kinds of things. We call oh, it up, yeah. you know, downregulating from the, from the crazy and upregulating to get into the game. So uh, there's quite a bit of, of science now about how music works on us. And in fact, it's so incredible that scientists are using music as a stimulus yes. to watch the brain itself. So it's kind of gone the other way. <laughs> you know? Right. Well, so I've seen some things recently that suggest that even in Alzheimer's, people retain their musical memory. Yes, it's like the last thing to go, right? Right, right. And my sister's a music therapist that works with a, a lot of kids who have a variety of other abilities or disabilities or whatever you call it. And the work she does with them is just incredible. The, the strides they make and the, the progress they make because they're into the music it's just amazing and you know from from just myself i know you know is today a day where hearing a little bit of uh mental zone either any mental zone is going to feel great or is today the day i want to hear some you know 1965 rolling stones to make me feel good you know yes yes i, I completely uh, do yeah or is it a beyonce day right i mean it could be any of those days <laughs> and i'm good with all of those so <laughs> or or maybe it's a metal day <laughs> some days are like that that's right some days you just want to hear some headbanging stuff I'm glad you brought up music therapy because I have great respect for my colleagues in music therapy. I am not a music therapist. And if you are a music therapist, you've done a lot of uh, education. You have a master's or a PhD and you have a board certification that um, means that you've risen to the standard where you are okay to go basically in clinical settings where like your sister, 
you can do work with people who have special needs of some kind. Um, that's fascinating work. And it's one end of the spectrum. So the other end would be like music as entertainment, where you just right. sort of go to a concert. But in the middle of that is what you're talking about, where you use music with a purpose. Individually, without a therapist, you just decide to use some music for a reason. Yeah. Not more than background, right? So we're kicking it up right into the foreground where it can become a tool. And along with that, the other important thing you mentioned was awareness. If you know what the music that you're listening to is doing to you, um, that helps you use it more effectively yes. and helps you choose music for the right purposes. So uh, what are the right purposes? And that's, that's kind of where my work takes me. Uh, if you're a post-traumatic stress veteran, for example, mm -hmm. uh, you're going to have a different kind of a musical need than if you are uh, trying to fall asleep after a long day. Right. Right. So there's a, there's a difference there and knowing the music that works for you in those situations and how to use it uh, makes a whole lot of sense and uh, clearly has helped a lot of people over thousands of years. This is a, something that we're, we're born with this ability to, right. to, to, to resonate to music. Right. So uh, uh, and, yeah, go ahead. And, and the implications are, are really far and wide. So I'm, I'm a bit of an amateur music geek and, uh, this is my 60th year. So in the Chinese Zodiac, you know, I'm in my 60 year cycle in you know, the place where all kinds of things are happening. And when I look back to the year of my birth, you could have stopped jazz music at the end of 1959 and we would still be amazing. You had Brubeck's yeah. album, you had Ornette Coleman's album, you had, uh, Miles Davis, you had uh, Thelonious Monk. I mean, the music that came out in 1959, it, just on the jazz side, never yeah, mind just by on the rock yeah. and roll side or, or some of the amazing classical recordings that were made with some of those greats in that time. There was something about that year. Something happened, right? And yeah. so what does that have to do with anything? Well, you could pick a lot of years that were great, right? But that one in particular, of course, it's a favorite of mine, right? So how does music reflect and influence the history of its time? That's kind of weird, too. And I know that's way, you know, spinoff from what you're talking about. But music does help shape the time somehow, doesn't it? It does. And the science on this is that uh, the music that is most meaningful to us is music from our adolescence. If you take an option, you play music from their early teens, early 20s, uh, that's going to be the music that has the deepest memories. And it's the same for us. We tend to form ourselves sort of musically around that time in our life when we were coming of age. Right. And uh, it, it's, it's marvelous because, of course, you can talk to guys like us, the old guy. You talk to our kids, and they're coming of age around a completely different uh, set of music. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm kind of messed up because I came of age, I was still playing classical piano, but I was also doing, uh, I was the, in the pit, in the musical theater, in, the, in school, and doing that kind of thing. I was in a Dixieland jazz band. Oh, cool. So I had this really confused <laughs> musical adolescence because Elton John was big back then. And all these incredible musicians were out there. 
And here I am like the wonky classical piano player, right? Right. Well, and I had a, <laughs> I had a similar thing because my mom was really into classical music, partly because she loved it, but also she had it in her blood. She's a, uh -huh. a direct descendant of Gottfried Heinrich Stutzel, who, uh, you know, a lot of people know for his uh, aria uh, 508, which was attributed to Bach for a long time, which you've probably Seriously. played, right? You've probably wow. played that one. <laughs> it, it may be the most beautiful piece of music ever written. It's just, you know, unbelievable. Anyway, so I listened to a lot of classical music, but uh, I was also super influenced by that British invasion, right? I mean, Beatles, oh, yeah, yeah, Stones, yeah. you name it. Plus, I loved soul music. So I couldn't yeah. get enough of uh, Wilson Pickett or, who, you know, pick, pick who you want. Uh, and then uh, I, I discovered jazz and used to hang out at the Village Vanguard uh, on Monday nights and I was just uh, amazed at the Thad Jones, Mel Lewis group and the, the oh people gosh. they collected and the arrangements they did. And I, I, I also knew some people who played in some salsa bands. So I followed the Fania All-Star people around and watched them play. And, oh, my gosh, it was so fun. Um, but then, amazing. you know, <laughs> people, people say, hey, what kind of music you like? And I go, uh... Gosh, what day is today, you know? <laughs> right, it depends. Exactly. I have that question all the time, and I can't pick one thing. I mean, what do you mean, one song? <laughs> right. Or, or even one genre. Because like you, I have all these genres swirling around that I love, and um, I like to play different things than I like to listen to, right? Right. And, um, and jazz is a big influence, of course. I, I came by jazz very early on like from ragtime and i'm still catching up yeah of the the works that you're talking about the people you're talking about um, one of my favorite piano players these days jazz piano players a guy named uh, brad meldow and you've probably heard his work i think i have movie uh soundtracks but wow that guy is like redefining the way that jazz piano sounds and uh it's it's powerful i get goosebumps just thinking about you know, without even any specific song, I think about the work and his work is amazing. And we've got, uh, I, my daughter played trumpet when she was in middle school and um, we got to go hear Wynton Marsalis and afterward went back into the green room to meet him. And he was so kind to my daughter. He asked her what she was doing to practice and talked to her about breathing and just what a great influence today's jazz musicians are having on the next generation. It's beautiful. I'm, I'm really impressed by the way people who are in the jazz scene specifically are reaching out to young musicians these days. There are lots of programs that work through uh, schools like UCI has a program where advanced art and music uh, degree candidates actually go out into the public school system and teach art or music classes as part of their uh, graduation requirements. Right. And that's, it's called Art Reach, and it was started when I was there in the late 90s. Uh, by a really forward-thinking dean of the arts, and I think it's still in place and doing great work in Orange County and even Southern LA County. Yeah. So yeah, That's it's good great. on the good on the young upcoming folks who are helping other people get there. You know, this goes to the thing called STEAM or STEM. I see a lot in the press about science, tech, yeah, yeah. STEM education. Yeah. And I think we're missing it if we don't do it as STEAM because the arts are where 
um, all that creativity actually bubbles up. And if you're going to leave the arts out of it, you're missing it. Well, so uh, if I were running things, I would extend steam to uh, Stammern, add a few more things to it. <laughs> I'd add, right? <laughs> I, I, I'd add an H for history. I'd add an extra M for music. And I'd add an R yeah. for relaxation and an N for nature. And so, you know, you can, you can make a pretty long word eventually if you think about all the things you you should be working on, but music, absolutely, because how, what what kind of a connection is there to music and math oh, and engineering? It's incredible, right? True. And creative True. thinking. Uh, you know, in trying to build a business, what you're building is you're building a symphony, right? You're getting operations to sound good next to financing to blend in nicely with uh, customer service. I mean, you're you're creating yeah. an arrangement. There's some fabulous video out there of CEOs who go to a conducting school ah. that's that's run up in Connecticut, and um, the guy who does this is just an out of the box conductor. But he takes these CEOs and lets them uh, gives them the basics and lets them conduct right. the orchestra, and that is an amazing experience for these guys because it's very unusual for a CEO to have a hundred people all actually doing the same thing in a cooperative project with that kind of right. control. Right. I mean, you stop waving your hands and the orchestra is going to stop. <laughs> right. So, right. right? And, and uh, so this is an eye opening thing because not only do you get that kind of control, you also get feedback from making music with people that you don't get it yep. any other way. I mean, you can talk about it, but until you actually sit down and work together as musicians, um, the magic doesn't happen. And it doesn't matter whether you're, you know, conduct, uh, CEO conducting an orchestra or uh, what I do in my presentations is give everybody in the room a kazoo. Ah, we all kazoo I stuff. love that. That's great. But that, it changes the dynamic, oh, yeah. John. You make, you make music and it's a different world. I, I know people um, professionally as musicians in much different ways than I would know them if I was just an acquaintance. Well, right, right. And, and just phenomenal people. I, I got to work with an opera singer for a long, long time. Uh, she passed away way too young. But we had a depth of understanding and performance that was, uh, it's, it's indescribable. You could you just learn to read each other and know exactly what's going to happen. And the, the exact millisecond at which somebody wants to mm -hmm. take a breath becomes this magic in the, in the middle of, a, of music, yeah. you know. And uh, that kind of uh, experience is not just open to musicians. It's open to anyone who wants to play. So kazoo or drum or whatever it is, uh, you can get there. You can have that experience of knowing your team uh, at that right. level. And it, it's pretty phenomenal, both for the team members and for the men. No, it's it's pretty incredible that, uh, and and that's an experience I wish more people had. Uh, you know, I mean, just you know, air drumming in the car is pretty good too. Some days, right? So yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, if if you if you're good at taking care of yourself, um, the next thing that I encourage people to do is to teach other people what you right. know. It's not hard, but it does take a little bit of uh, skills to be uh, cognizant of what's going on. A lot of music just goes over our heads. It's not, we're not typical, you and me, of being able to sit down and apply music with a purpose. Lots of people think they're doing that. But understanding what the music is doing to you sort of changes the way that you approach that situation. A lot of people like, to, for, here's a good example. A lot of people are sad and they play happy music because they want to be happier. Yeah. 
Well, that's fine. But what happened to the sadness? You just put it away. You ignored it. You didn't let it play. And sadness has that emotion. It has richness for you as well. And I think that this is why there's so much sad music because we need to be able to resonate with that. And it does take time. And the experience of sadness can unlock a lot of beauty and power in well, your that's life. That's why everybody, if you're not afraid everybody of loves it. the blues, right? Because you, mm-hmm. you sing the blues for a little while, you feel pretty good. You work it out. <laughs> you do. There's that wonderful dichotomy in blues music between um, sadness and joy in the same right. song. And the science is that that tension and the release that mm-hmm. follows are the thing that make a change. So the more tension and release you can get into a, any stimulus, uh, the better for you if you're the one doing the work. So uh, yeah, the, the, the tension in blues, which has got, in many cases, happy music and sad words, or vice versa, yeah. where you've got you know somebody singing some uh, very melancholy melody with happy words in it. Right. <laughs> you know, that creates tension and that's what we want. We want that tension and we want the release that comes after. It's, uh, it's almost like vibration. If you move it up you know, a few thousand times a second, you've got sound. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and you know, some, some of my favorite songs I like to listen to on a day when I need some motivation are those blues songs that make you laugh because the, the pain is just, you know, it's relatable enough, but silly. Like um, uh, Irma Thomas does this song called uh, I never fool nobody but me. It's just hilarious, right? I don't know if yeah. you ever heard that one, yeah. but uh, I haven't. I'm writing them down because I always like pick up a bunch of tunes after right, this podcast. Right. <laughs> I want to hear right. next, and it's it's just it's hilarious, right? So you know the the whole thing yep. is uh, a, a, you have to listen to her do it. My telling of it's no good. You got to listen to her do it, um, and then you know some of the other ways that you can you know learn things. I mean singing to kids is how they learn stuff, right? I mean, you sing the alphabet, right? You sing the timetables, you know, that's how kids learn stuff. Um, and, and I even try to use music in some of the sales training. My, my, one of my most favorite sales training tools is that, uh, old song, uh, yes, we have no bananas and Louis Prima does a version of it. There you go. Just hilarious. And, I mean, it's the perfect sales training thing, right? If someone asks you for something you don't have, you say, yes, I don't have that, but here's what I do have. <laughs> yep, yep. You, you got it. I, I, um, so I went to IBM school. I, was, I hired at IBM to be a marketer, and I graduated in the class. But I was so disappointed. We got there, and they were no longer using the IBM song. Oh, there's an IBM song? I didn't know that. And they're... It, well, see, there's an IBM. All the big companies used to have them. Ford used to have one. And I think it grew out of the, um, like the turn of the century, turn of the last century, World War I era union movement, right. where everybody had a company song. And uh, it was like a fight song that you have at university. Everybody knows the words to their fight song. Right? Tell me you know the words to your fight song. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't. You know, yes, you, UCLA's got one, one right? USC's got one. They have one, right? And, um, of course, in the military, every branch of the service has their individual songs. Some of this has survived. But I was so disappointed to not be able to learn the IBM song. And I've, I asked around about it, and there's music out there. You can find it. But the point was, here was a powerful company that organized itself 
around a binding principle that they couldn't teach yeah. any other way, which was yeah. singing together. And uh, I actually wrote an article about this the other day because we had a monthly meeting of our San Diego Veterans Coalition, and they brought in this guy who can sing like, oh, my gosh, you, he is amazing. And he led us all singing the Star Spangled uh-huh. Banner acapella. And let me tell you, there, there was not dry on the house. Everybody wanted to right. be a part of this song. It was incredible. And yeah, everybody was military. You know, it's, it's that kind of a thing. So it, there wasn't any angst about doing it. But it changed the entire meeting. And then if that wasn't enough, if that wasn't enough, get this, Tron. Somebody had had the foresight uh-huh. to bring in a trumpet player. And the trumpet player played the song for each branch of the service. And the service members in the room right. stood when their song was played. That was the greatest meeting. And nobody could really identify what happened because, you know, people aren't really conscious of that. Oh, yeah, here's this music. We did this stuff. But that changed everything. And people left that room that day with such energy and just, you know, ready to go. Unusual for a Friday. (laughs) Yeah. So, um, yeah, it it, it definitely has this effect. And uh, we we could probably change a lot of things if we in the West were willing to sing more together. Well, in in my junior high school, we used to start off the morning singing – uh, oh, beautiful for spacious skies, right? Over the intercom, yep, we all yep, sang that mm-hmm. together. And, you know, as as snarky kids, I'm sure we, you know, didn't didn't appreciate it and, you know, had our own set of lyrics for the thing, right? But, but mm-hmm. it was a bonding mm-hmm. thing. It really was. Mm-hmm. We have, have people who remember that, like in our sort of societal memory, there are people who understand and um, you still see that kind of thing active at church during worship. Um, there's, there's many places you can find it, but it isn't as present in the, um, in the day-to-day, work-a-day world as it could be. And it could really change things mm-hmm. there, I feel. Well, it could. So I don't remember the last time, uh, did, the last time you went to a business meeting and, there, and they sang first. Do you, do you remember anything like that? Uh, I've been to a Rotary Club that still sings together on a, on a Rotary Club. Visit, there you go. Yes, and they and they felt yep. a little uh, self conscious about it because they didn't know any other Rotary clubs clubs who still sang together, and so I thought that was interesting. But no, uh, so now uh, I've I've got a, a a burr in my saddle. I'm gonna I'm gonna find a company song for for uh, things we're working on and <laughs> start singing together as a group. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not? <laughs> right. you know? Now, that, that said, you know, we do um, regularly, there are groups of people who pray together. And, and I think that may be our 21st century sort of community bonding thing that we do. No problem with that. But the idea of putting melody in and, and making it a song instead of yeah. just repeating the words together, it, it kicks it up a notch, Right. Or the idea of doing that kicks it up a notch. Active participatory thing. And I know you're going to love this, but we got to listen to each other. And when you're making music together, you must listen to what's happening in the room or you're going to stick out and sound bad. And a good example of that, if you've ever had this opportunity, uh, try to figure it out and make it for yourself. I got to sing cadences with a barbershop quartet. Oh, how fun. We, we were living in this building and 
the guy who was like the maintenance guy in the building was also the leader of this barbershop quartet and they're pretty good. So they did a concert in the building for us. And afterward we hung out. So when you're singing in close harmony that way, um, something magical happens. And in scientific terms, it's called overtones. But let's say you're singing the four notes of a cadence. You and three other people are singing in close harmony. When you listen to that, you'll hear more than four notes. Yeah. Because the voices blend and the sound waves uh, create these overtones that are also in harmony, but there are not notes that are actually being uh, produced mm -hmm. by the singers. So when you do that and it's happening to you, that stuff just, oh, it, you get goosebumps. Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? That is an experience that you need to have in your life. Whoever you are, if you can find a barbershop quartet, it'll let you do this. All you got to do is sing one note, right? right. <laughs> let them move around you and you'll have this experience of being just transported, transformed. It's, it's a spiritual experience. I'll tell you, Tron, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. Well, we need to, we need to get more people singing, even if they're not sure what key they're in. At least we'll oh, get them singing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't sing. I haven't got a voice. It's not me, but have that experience oh you know? i i love singing i'm just not very good at it but i love doing it yeah, so that's too you know it's pleasure for me and not so much pleasure for people hearing it but that's all right so well sympathetic quartet will help you out <laughs> that's right that's <laughs> right oh so where should people find some of the resources we're talking about or how do they find you to see see more of the some of the work you're doing well i have uh, a few different ways to uh, ways in, if you will. Um, uh, and a uh, fair warning. So this is very one-on-one, -on -one, very personal work. It's not big time marketing. You know, you're not going to see a bunch of noise out there from me uh, trying to be the number one music care guy in the world. It's not how it is. It, it's very much about what you and I do together. So that said, um, there's ways to engage at BillProtzman.com. Of course, if you can spell my name. Two um, ends, But I also right? offer two, two yeah. ends, as you know. Um, I also offer um, resources through a site, musiccare.net, and another site, practicalheartskills.com. I think there need to be a bunch of ways to get to the, to the core of what's happening here. Um, why practical heart skills? Because music is one, of course, but being able to get out of our heads and into a more holistic sense of how to care for ourselves I think goes way beyond music. There's literally ways of thinking that you can use to will change your life. Um, some of that is based in neurolinguistic programming, language matters, what you say matters, yeah. how you say it matters. Um, so I, I call those things practical heart skills and offer lots of content there as well as at music care. I've built up an online course. So people that want to dig into how to use music as a tool, um, have a self-directed way to be able to do that. And um, it, that comes with and without mentoring, you know, so if you want to be able to work alongside me, I can do that too. That's wonderful. But so the, it's musiccare.net, practicalheartskills.com or billprotzman.com with two ends. Sure. Yeah. And if you search for me, you'll find all this stuff. Wonderful. Um, Psychology Today has carried stuff. Your tangos carried articles. Nice. Um, you can see me on LinkedIn. I mean, it, it's the kind of thing where people just need guidance and information. And I have no problem giving that to people who want to take it and go for it. You know, just make it happen. It's, it's bigger than me. 
well, so I think that I think the point of all this is to put a little music in your day and put a little more music in your next day and keep it going. Absolutely. Yes. Just dial it up. Turn it up to 11. Turn it up to 11. <laughs> ah, Bill, it's been so fun talking about music and music care and, uh, you know, some some fun uh, musical experiences we, we seem to share. Uh, that's yes. been a blast. So, uh, again, that's musiccare.net, practicalheartskills.com, billprotzman.com. Bill, I hope I get a chance to visit with you again or get a chance to sing with you someday. Uh, sure, let's do that. It's, it's been great visiting with you, and I so appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to, to visit on the Troncast for a while. My pleasure, Tron. Yeah, dial me anytime. I, I'm here and available for you and all of your listeners. Just hit me up. I'm. What do you do for sales training and team building exercises? What do you do for customer service training and team building exercises? I know you're trying all kinds of things, and there's some good stuff out there. But I swear, if anyone ever asks me to do another trust fall, my brain's going to explode. So let's come up with something different. I've been trying to find something different for a while. And I thought, well, why not? Let's come up with a sales training game or a customer service training game, something fun that everyone can get into and that they can laugh about and challenge each other and poke each other a little bit and feel some of the emotional ups and downs that you get when you're in customer service and sales. So I went to a game jam uh, headed up by the local regional economic development group here in Columbia and Boone County, Missouri. And I met uh, a group of game developers and we had so much fun that we ended up creating a game called Starship Junkyard, which is a great and hilarious way to do team building for your businesses, for your sales teams, for your customer service teams. And it's turned out to be just a great family and friends game too. Something you can sit down and play for half an hour or an hour or a great pub game. It's hilarious. It's called Starship Junkyard. And you can find it on Facebook at uh, the Starship Junkyard, the card game. You can buy it on thegamecrafter.com. Go to thegamecrafter.com and look up Starship Junkyard and buy a copy and play it. It's hilarious. So try that for your next team building exercise. Try that for your next sales training meeting. Sit down and play Starship Junkyard and you will be happy you did. Go check it out on Facebook, Twitter. Go buy the game at thegamecrafter.com. The Starship Junkyard, the card game. Thank you.